Welcome back, everyone, to Less Lonely, More Loved, a podcast mini-series from the Young Adult Ministries here at St. Mark United Methodist Church in Atlanta. Today, Megan and I are back, and we are talking about joy. It is the third week of Advent. We are almost to Christmas. The supply chain conversation is strong among us at this point, I'm sure. And today we are talking about Psalm 78. So Megan, will you read our passage for us today? A reading from Psalm 78. Give ear, my people, to my teaching. Incline your ear to the utterance of my mouth. I will open my mouth in a proverb. I will utter riddles from old, which we have heard and known, and which our mothers and fathers have told us. We will not hide them from their daughters and sons. We will recount to generations to come the praiseworthy deeds of she who speaks life and her might and the wonderful works she has done. She gave her decrees for Rebecca's descendants and placed teachings among Sarah's offspring, which she commanded their mothers and fathers to make known to their daughters and sons in order that a coming generation, children yet to be, might know and will rise up and tell their daughters and sons. Then they will put their confidence in God and not forget the works of God, but will keep her commandments and not be like their ancestors, a stubborn and rebellious generation, a generation whose hearts were not steadfast and whose spirit was not faithful to God. I love that reading. Mm-hmm. That is uh, Dr. Will Gaffney's reinterpretation of Psalm 78 which places the emphasis on the women in the Bible. So rather than coming from the generations of Jacob, we are talking about Rebecca. And I love that. I think that's really beautiful. And we so rarely talk about God as woman. Yeah. And I love that too. Well, even including the mothers and the fathers, the daughters and the sons, I think really helps out draw or draw out the aspect of intergenerational work in this text that I don't think I saw as much reading just like the NRSV. Right. Right. Well, and I think that that is the beauty of having women and scholars of color who lead us is that they bring the unnamed and name them. The only thing that I would say and like how I feel a little terrified to be like, if I were to offer a suggestion to Dr. (laughs) Wilda Gaffney, I would say, um, but I would say I wish that we uh, more often included our trans and our non-binary siblings in the readings that we give. Because I think that um, people who embody the the non-duality of God would be our trans and our non-binary siblings for sure. And also just like the transness of God, like the the both, the and, the mm-hmm. all that God is. So I, if there was one thing that I would include, it would be that. But otherwise, Dr. Gaffney, I love you. Um, so we're talking about joy. And in Psalm 78, it definitely is a very interesting choice for the third week of Advent. Because it's not one of the Psalms that's like, rejoice. Give thanks to the Lord on high. It's not that kind of psalm, but I think there is some joy in it. We just might have to do Mm -hmm. a little digging. 
What are your thoughts? Yes, I think this text, like all the texts we've looked at so far, is even just forcing me to ask the question of, you know, what is joy? Yeah. Where, yeah, where is it in this text? Um, what does it mean for us during Advent? Absolutely. I think that the big thing that comes to mind, because it's not like a everybody clap your hands kind of passage, I think it calls for me to mind the fact that joy and happiness are not the same thing. Mm-hmm. That it's like when we are feeling like the, those like mountaintop moments where we're like, yeah, everything is awesome. That like that's happiness, but joy is maybe a little deeper than that. Mm-hmm. I think it is an interesting topic for us to discuss from our location as Christians who um, are a part of the church in the United States. I think who put a lot of emphasis on, I guess, that that happiness aspect of what it means to be a person of faith. Mm. Um, and our relationship with God is supposed to mean that now, you know, we're happy. Mm-hmm. Right. And even sometimes putting, um, in- insinuating that to be faithful is to be happy yeah. because having faith in God is somehow gotten associated with everything is good. Right. Everything is okay. Right. And if, if you are worried or anxious or sad, that that is a lack of faith. Yeah, that you just have to put more faith in God. It's like people who have like generalized anxiety or diagnosable depression and people being like, you just need to pray more. You need to put your life in God's hands rather than being like some therapy and like maybe some Zoloft could be really good, right? Like we love Jesus and a little bit of Prozac and some good therapy. Like these are all really good options. And I think that that is so critical. And what you just said, like lit this like fire in me because I was like, Oh my gosh, that's so true. Because I can remember being like a closeted person and being like, oh, I like my my joy, quote unquote, is in the Lord. And so I have to be miserable in order to be faithful to God. And that's how it works. And it's like, how did get there? <laughs> and it feels so like backwards now, right? Mm-hmm. But in the at the time I was like, oh, I guess this is how everyone feels. Right. It's this almost like spiritualizing. I don't even know if that's yeah. a word. But like all that matters. Nothing about your practical embodied experience on earth in the context that you live in is what is important. All that matters is like a spiritual like a to God be the glory kind yeah, of moment. like intangible like you right. know, if we can't bring our if if our theology can't be brought down to our practical lives like yeah it where yeah I guess where is the usefulness in that and I think that that's such an interesting thing for us to be talking about as people who are literally recording this in I mean it is the church basement like let us all be very honest but we are still in the church and how often do 
we feel like we have to like bring a certain self to church. Like Mm -hmm. I can remember growing up and being like, oh, I have to wear like my pretty dresses and my uncomfortable shoes and my itchy hose and like, and I have to like make sure that I wear my hair nice and that I'm on my best behavior and I'm using my manners and I'm not going to be loud or obnoxious or um, express my needs during the 60 minutes that we're, you know, singing hymns and listening to sermons, even if I am really uncomfortable, like in my body, in the clothing that I was in, really uncomfortable in my seat because I'm sitting still. And that was like freaking impossible for me. Um, or if like I'm hungry or needed to go to the bathroom or needed to get a drink of water, it's like none of those things mattered in church because it was all about presentation. Mm-hmm. Like looking the part, being at the church, being seen at church, because if you're not seen at church, were you even there? And being like, oh, like my family, like getting the praise of like how good I was at church and how good at paying attention and how quiet and whatever. And I I feel like there is like a level of that that we never grow out of. Mm-hmm. It's almost like. In the same way you have a job and you go to your job every day, you show up as your professional self. It's like we've somehow gotten the idea that, yeah, there's also a church self that you have to show up as. Right. But what what would it look like if church was a space where you were safe to show up as your authentic self, as whatever that was in that moment? Right. If you got to, like, show up at church and be like, I had a bad week and I'm going to sit here and I'm not going to sing the happy songs because I just need to like sit and be with people who care about me and who will see me in my time of need. And I think that that, I think that if we created that space and I am like a little biased because I think we have created some of that here at St. Mark, but so I'll say when, not if, when we create that space. I think that our joy stops being this like individual thing that we're striving for. And it becomes this like really beautiful collective where we're not like, oh, I'm so happy and I'm putting on a happy face. But it's like, I am like rooting for you and cheering for you, like as a part of this community. And like your success feels like my success, Mm. our collective success. And, like, not, like, success, like, I got a raise at my job, but, like, being, like, I did a really hard thing, and I walked into my first cancer treatment, and I did it, even though I was really afraid. And I think that there's a lot of joy that we can find in, like, community and in being these, like, fully integrated, Mm -hmm. complicated, messy humans. Being embedded into yeah a community of people where everyone feels safe to bring all the different aspects of what life is and there are always I mean suffering and sadness is an aspect of life that we all experience and also happiness and excitement and and new things and right those things are not they're going on all the time and different people are in different places and right being together with one another through all of that. Yeah. I think is is part of what joy is. 
I totally think so. I think the thing that's so hard about that is it's like so easy to be like, yes, like joy is like bringing our whole selves into this community and like being fully seen. But that means that we have to get really comfortable with like seeing people who are Mm -hmm. in pain, frustrated, going through hard things, feeling really stuck, feeling like really down, like being like, oh, how are you? And then being like, I am awful. Let me tell you all about it. And then it's like, you're like looking for your closest escape. Like, how do I exit this Mm -hmm. conversation Mm -hmm. as quickly as possible? (laughs) Or how do I say, how do I like placate them by saying something like, God's Mm -hmm. got you. Mm -hmm. Or like, just pray a little more. It's just, it feels so easy to placate people with those kind of phrasing to like exit a situation that like, we might be uncomfortable with because it's we're really averse to being in pain and we're also really averse to seeing other people when they're in pain because we just like don't like we don't do suffering super well in our society Mm -mm. well and it goes it goes right along with our propensity to number one be productive but also to consume and like it goes right to our habit of skipping over Advent and going straight to Christmas. It's right. like, we don't want to do any of the hard, like, suffering, challenging things. We don't want to reflect. We just want to yeah. consume. We just want to get to presents on Christmas morning. And I think I think that's so true. And I think that we we don't do the cycles within ourselves of, like, actually going through, like, suffering, redemption, because, like, we just, like, we're like, I'll just stuff those feelings down. Or I'm not going to bring all of my feelings to my community. I'll just take them to my therapist because that's what I pay them for. Right. Or I'll just take it to my kickboxing class because it's okay for my anger and my grief and my big hot feelings to show up at kickboxing. Right. And this idea that those feelings are – there's something inherently not okay or bad about them. And if you bring them into certain spaces, you're really putting – a a burden onto other people. Right. That's what, that's a kind of what we've gotten to. And like, um, because vulnerability feels burdensome. Mm-hmm. It's like, I'm thinking about like, like I'm thinking about like when I cry in front of my partner, like the first thing that comes out of my mouth, I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. It's like, why am I sorry? Because I am, because I'm embarrassed about even like with like the most, like with the people that I feel most comfortable being vulnerable with, I am still uncomfortable Mm -hmm. in those moments of like bringing those feelings or like when I get really, really, really good news and I want to just like kind of like sort of like edge it into the conversation because I don't like I don't want a lot of like big attention like Mm -hmm. like, oh, like here's this little bit of good news. I'm going to go to the mail now. Like, like, make my exit as fast as possible. Yeah, because asking people to enter into like what your emotional world looks like right now feels like a big ask right but we crave it so much we need that type of relationship where people can come alongside us in our joy and our excitement and also our sorrows it's something that as humans like social beings that we crave so much we need it right but yeah it feels like that's too much to ask right and I think without without inviting people into those really vulnerable spaces. And I think we often conceive of our most vulnerable spaces as like 
or spaces where we're sad or we're uncertain or we're grieving. But I think if we don't let people into those spaces, then like we don't actually ever give them access to really celebrate us either because it's like, mm-hmm. oh, we only want to be known from like, you know, lukewarm to happy and like never from like sad, grieving, angry, depressed. We never want to let let go of those and really show ourselves off. But I think that one of our primal needs is belonging. Mm-hmm. And if we're just sort of like coming into a church space and like sort of like coexisting, like I'm thinking about like um, all of the like, this is going to like date me so, so badly. Like all the little like we people when you're like going yeah. to do like a little we game and they're all like just sort of like bobbing up and down. You know, it just sort of feels like we're all just like in this little holding pattern. Mm-hmm. We're like, oh, we're here now. And in a minute, we'll all like walk over there and we'll just sort of like bob a little bit up and down. And then like that's and then we like do our hour of church, mm-hmm. drink our little cup of coffee and don't we leave. <laughs> right. We yeah. don't touch each other. And Personal we leave. space. Yeah. Um, then like, are we really in community? If we're, you know, if we're, if we are, we're seeking out this belonging, but we're never actually putting ourselves on the line or you are putting yourselves on the line and the feedback that you get is I'll pray for you. Mm -hmm. That's like a one way ticket to, um, I will go to brunch next Sunday Mm -hmm. and not be here. Mm -hmm. Or even you can even see just the uncomfort in people's eyes. Like you so desperately I think we have this urge to reach out right. and to connect with other people, but it's hard when it, when it feels like other people aren't, aren't there to meet you in that space. Right. People who can like mirror those emotions back to you. Mm-hmm. It reminds me of um, a quote and I'm actually like not positive where this quote comes from. So I'm going to take a guess. And if it's wrong, people of the podcast, please right in. Um, but I'm pretty sure it's Nietzsche who talks about the greatest sin in the world or the greatest tragedy in the world is not sin. The greatest tragedy in the world is individuation Mm. and that we don't operate fully as members of community, but we operate as these like very siloed people. And I think that what we want more than anything is like that very like Sistine Chapel-esque like God and and was it God and Adam who were like up on the ceiling like mm-hmm. almost touching fingers mm-hmm. um, or maybe it's Jesus. Clearly I know nothing about the Sistine Chapel. Um, but that there is this sort of moment where it's like I, I want so badly for you to know me but I am so afraid that if I show – my truest self or my truest emotion right now to you that what I'm going to receive is rejection Mm -hmm. or in my view, even worse than rejection that somehow this is going to come back around to bite me and that you're going to use this against me. And I think that that sort of holding pattern makes people afraid of church Mm -hmm. or even come to church and not see what the point is. What is the usefulness what is compelling about it? Sure. Like, is church useful if it's like a dog and pony show? Mm-hmm. 
what's the point? Ooh, Megan, that's tough. Here we are in the church basement asking <laughs> if church is useful. I mean, I think and 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 in the conversation around joy and in the season that we're in, in the season of Advent, you know, how do we how do we how do we find the point or the usefulness? Like, is there common ground, maybe? Mm-hmm. Well, to bring it back to our text for today, you can see. I mean, so much of the language is of one generation passing on um, this knowledge and these stories onto the next generation and framing faithful work as something that not only takes a really long time, but also must be done with one another. Right. And is situated within community and within generations. And I think that's a very different way than how we think about our faith as individuals and our individual relationship with God um, is where we're supposed to find meaning. And I think largely that just comes from our larger culture, which Mm -hmm. is very much focused on individuals. And happiness comes from your own individual desires being achieved on your own. Yeah. But rather maybe as a community or as a church looking for how can we work towards, you know, our desires together, I guess. Yeah. So I think that's a good point. But I think that like here's my – here's like the rub for me is – so we live in this very individualistic society – we live in this very like consumeristic capitalistic society. But church is supposed to be sort of the antithesis of these things, mm-hmm. meant to be about community, meant to be about mutuality, meant to be about um, sort of like goodwill toward all of humanity. But I don't feel like that's the reputation of the church in the world. I feel like the church exists to sort of like, and maybe it doesn't exist too, but has ingratiated itself into the society where it's like we still are an individualist capitalist society. We're just now a really pretty space Mm -hmm. full of individualist capitalist people. Mm -hmm. And so how do we move from being that to like being like the goal, like what I would say is like the goal of the church, which is to be like living in mutuality, living for goodwill toward all of humanity, like working for justice. How do we, how do we do, like, how do we move from supposed to be to being? I mean, that's a very big question. (laughs) And yeah. And even like, I don't think there's any one answer to that question, but maybe a lot of different answers, a lot of different perspectives you could take on that. I think even just what we've talked about so far with being willing to be with one another in our pain and each other's um, happiness, like in all of those moments, I think getting more comfortable with seeing mm. people could be one aspect of that. Yeah, it's like it's like a, like desensitivity training to hurting mm-hmm. is to like put yourself in situations where you have to be vulnerable. And I also think that it, it means that we can't um, – 
we can't like rush to solve everyone's problems. And if we can't solve their problems, we can't just like placate them with like a, I'll pray for you. Because yeah, rushing to solve someone's problem is not actually seeing them. Yeah. It's just wanting to, oh, you're in pain. Let's make the pain go away because pain is bad. and Right. And I think that that, it reminds me, okay. So it reminds me of something that I think is pr- probably really funny. I, um, I am like not, I'm a city girl. Like I grew up here in Atlanta, lived here most of my life. Um, but on a couple of occasions I've like been out to visit family or friends that like live like out on like a lot of land and have farm animals. And I have a friend who her family like had sheep. They had a lot of sheep and sheared the sheep and that's like what they did for a living. And, um, like sheep are not very smart. They're actually incredibly not smart. And I remember one time I was visiting and um, my friend's um, family had had to like dig some pretty large holes on their property. I don't remember why, but they were like these big holes, like in the middle of the pasture. And they had like these like sloped sides and then like was a hole. And I remember while I was there, there was one sheep who kept walking down into one of these holes, like would walk down the slope into the (laughs) hole and then realize that it was in a hole and rather than turning around and walking out of the hole, would jump up to where you could like just see like its little like flouncy sheep ears and its little like sheep head. And it would be like, meh, 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 like just like bounce, 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 bounce. And it would get like more and more desperate as it realized that it was very stuck in this hole. And so what would the other sheep do? They would walk down into the hole with this sheep. And then there would be like sort of a, it wasn't like a collective, like one like cloud of sheep bounces, but it would be like me, 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 like, and just like all of these like little sheep like bouncing around. Not, not, not a one of them, not a single one of them being like, if we just do like a 180, we could walk out the way we came in. And I think that like, while that's like really silly, Um, I think that sometimes I have to remember to be more of a sheep and like less of Mm. like the person that would go down, turn the sheep 180 degrees and walk them out of the hole because that's problem solving. Right. But when someone is like, I am in like the deepest, darkest moment of my life, I've had a breakup, Mm -hmm. I've lost my job. I have a, like a new diagnosis of a health condition or I have cancer or like I, lost a friend or like whatever, like whatever, like the deepest, darkest moment of your life is in that moment. Like there's no way that I could be like, let me come down in this hole, walk you 180 degrees and like poof magic. Mm -hmm. Like your breakup doesn't hurt anymore. Or you, your like lost job is a blessing, like in, in a moment's notice or like your health diagnosis like immediately cured because like I have like come in and like offered you the solution to this problem. It's rather like a reminder that like sometimes you have to like get into the hole and like even if you know that there's like 180 degrees in the other direction, it's like I am just going to bounce up and down here with you in this hole and I'm going to cry with you and I'm going to be panicked with you and I'm going to be upset with you and I'm not going to come in and be like, oh, this problem is really easy to solve. Mm-hmm. when like what you need is just to be like I just need to be seen in the hole 
I'm not looking for an exit strategy. Mm -hmm. And And that's like a long extended metaphor, but I think it works. Well, and just like everything else, it's a balance. I think we do experience things in life sometimes that we just need to stop and like things will be better when, you know, but also it, our emotions are our reality. Right. It feels that way. And so it never feels good for someone to be like, oh, just, you know, fix Right. Right. And And even, and even if like there is a solution to whatever problem that you're facing, whatever that sort of like dark night of the soul is to like kind of harken back to, um, when we talked about hope. But I think that there's like, there is something to be said for hindsight being 2020, but we can't bring like, we can't fast forward through our hard times. Mm -hmm. We have to just be in them. Which also means that, like, even if I'm, like, vibing and I'm, like, doing great and you're having a hard time, that's not the time for me to be, like, well, I'm, like, not going to let Megan kill my vibe because the vibes are good over here. Like, that would be, I think, the antithesis of communal joy and sharing and, mm-hmm. like, the mutuality of what I think church and community is supposed to be. Mm-hmm. And it's almost, I wonder if we need help cultivating a more well-rounded experience of communally sharing emotions. Like the example you just gave of like, if I'm having a hard time and you're having a great time, is there a way for you to be there with me and support me without then you simultaneously having a really hard time like empathy and support and compassion and compassion but also a healthy amount of I guess interdependency but not codependency like detachment in a healthy way but yet still having this presence with one another right well it's like how do you be present without like taking on the emotional landscape of another person Because there's a certain amount of mirroring that we do as Mm -hmm. people because we want to be deeply known. Yeah. And I I would, I mean, even just to argue with myself. (laughs) Please. I don't think there's, it's not fully or inherently wrong to be affected by another person. I think as humans. Sure. We are social and our lives are affected by one another. But I don't know. It's interesting. But I also think that there is a level, like, I'm going to, like, agree and, and disagree with you, like, all at one time. Like, I think that there is a certain amount of beauty that is, like, being, like, interdependent on one another without, like, I also think that our, like, little, like, monkey brain is very much, like, but if I am not the person who has the spotlight, then will my needs be cared for or will I be seen? And so there's a certain level to which community requires like sometimes the attention is on Megan and sometimes the attention is on Jess and sometimes the attention is on neither one of us but that doesn't mean that like attention and like level of importance are not equal well that gets into like differences between taking a view of scarcity and a view of abundance that we so desperately need help creating because we very much have this mindset of scarcity there is not enough and so if you're not fighting tooth and nail for what you think you need you're not going to have what you need 
Right. And that is, that is how we move ourselves from our like capitalistic society, right? Because like capitalism is like consume, 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 because there might not be enough for you if you don't get it, like it might be gone, like, and moving into this place where like there is actually enough Mm -hmm. and like enough Number one, that our planet like literally is capable of supporting us if we would return the favor in kind and take care of her. But that can be like another moment in the podcast. But like also there's enough food to feed everyone who's hungry if it didn't end up in dumpsters. There's enough clothing to clothe people who are improperly clothed or naked if people didn't like slash their clothing or burn it when it's like quote unquote out of season, like there is enough time, attention, love, care. There is enough, but our society is built on, I have to step over you or on top of you to get to what I need. And so I have to take care of myself first, instead of being like, I see you, sheep in a hole, person in this hole. And rather than look down on you from the top of the hole or ask someone else to come and handle you in the hole, I'm going to walk down into the hole with you and be in this place of unknown. And not because I am capable of your rescue, but because I know that if I add my voice to your suffering, if I add my presence to your loneliness, or if I add my, if I just add like my eyeballs onto your experience, then like there is more, there's more effort. Like I'm literally adding my effort to yours. Sharing the burden. Sharing is caring. Mm -hmm. Quite literally. (laughs) I think that, and I think that that is, I think if we could do more of that in the church, I think that the church would be profoundly changed and I think that the people who are inside of those spaces and inside of those communities could be profoundly impacted and I think that like people who are profoundly impacted because they are well known and accepted and loved then like that like permeates itself into like every corner of every aspect of their lives. Going back to your question about how can the church really be a place of community and connection versus just replicating our individual centered society and then bringing that to this topic of scarcity and abundance, I think the church does do this and should continue to learn how to do this better. Mm. Um, but asking the question, who are the people in our lives, in our communities, in our country who are being pushed out further and further, pushed to the margins the most by this um, culture of scarcity, of Um, consuming and productivity and how can we embody abundance Mm. to the people who are actually experiencing the most scarcity yeah and I think like that is like the meditation for advent because we are 
in this season of waiting and waiting for the coming of Emmanuel, God who is with us, wonderful counselor, Lord of all, Prince of Peace, King of the world, right, so to speak. And what is brought into the world at Christmas is the lowliness, the meekness of Jesus. And so I think it's about turning our attention, like, rather than looking up, right, because in a power structure, like, power moves, I think, up and down, and rather, like, looking out at who is, where the where is the meekness, where is, like, the metaphorical stable, and how do we draw that into the center of the story, because that is like, that's the story of Jesus, right? It's drawing meekness, lowliness, unexpected people into the center of the narrative, toppling the empire, removing power and spreading it across rather than stacking it up. And I think that when we figure out that we can do like equity and justice across the board, I actually think that that's when like, the joy of God comes into our midst. But also remembering that it's not a thing that happens in one moment. But as we see in this text, it's a, it's a work of generations. Right. And that there is, even if we don't get the instant gratification of it, that there is a certain level of faithfulness to the task at hand. That like, just because we want justice doesn't mean that like we want it and it arrives. It's not like a gift on Christmas where it's like, I want a Lego set and it can be wrapped up really nicely and put under a nice Christmas tree. But it's like for us to say like, we want to see justice upon the earth, knowing that we have to put our hands faithfully to the work and joyfully to the work understanding that we may never see the manifestation of that work in action. I think that that, not necessarily in a neat and tidy Christmas bow, wraps up our conversation on joy. And so I guess that we will leave you with buy gifts for your friends and your family if you feel so inclined but know that the gift of joy is in our midst and that we are consistently, constantly, and faithfully working together to figure out what it means to bring the joy of God into our space. And with that, I'm going to let Megan close us out with a quote from Howard Thurman. The degree to which the potential in any expression of life is actualized marks the extent to which such an expression of life experiences wholeness, integration, community. And we hope that makes you feel less lonely and more loved. We'll see you next time. This podcast is a production of the Young Adult Ministry and the Communications Ministry at St. Mark United Methodist Church of Atlanta. The views and opinions expressed here on this podcast are ours and not necessarily those of St. Mark United Methodist Church or its ministries. We operate under an Adobe standard license for all music and sound included on this podcast. 
To find out more about who we are and what we believe, head to our website at stmarkumc.org. That's stmarkumc.org. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram at stmarkumcatl and on YouTube at stmarkumcatlanta. Episodes of Less Lonely, More Loved will be released every Tuesday and Friday during Advent and will be available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Podbean, and more. If you enjoy the podcast, or even if you don't, we would love to hear your thoughts, questions, and comments. Send all emails to mcesari at stmarkumc.org. That's M as in Mary, C-E-S-A-R-I at S-T-M-A-R-K-U-M-C dot org. We hope you will continue to engage with us, either in person or in one of our many virtual spaces. As always, all are welcome.